So we are nearing the end of our teaching series on our Abrahamic journey. We're actually in the penultimate week of this series and I'm wondering how you've been getting on as you've been digging deep into the story of Abraham and journeying with him through Lent. Are you enjoying it? Are you tired? Is God speaking to you? Uh, For anybody who's new this morning or maybe a visitor, then we began back at the start of Lent to dig deep into the journey of Abraham. We had been given a prophetic word that our corporate journey was like an Abrahamic journey. And so we set ourselves two key questions as we stepped into Lent. Firstly, how does this Abrahamic Lent story relate to our personal Lent journey, where we are now? And then secondly, how does this relate to Junction 10, where we're at and our mandate going forward? And if you remember, I said to you at the start, these are big questions. And I don't know about you, but I've found myself really wrestling with these questions, still wrestling, and lots more questions have emerged for me as we've been walking on this journey. Can I really encourage you that it's not too late? If you haven't got started yet, then the podcasts are available. And, you know, sometimes it's just more important to get on the journey rather than our actual start time. So please don't miss out on this. Brief recap, okay? So far, we've considered together, firstly, our calling. The fact that God calls each one of us individually and he's got special assignments for our lives. We thought about the promises that God has given us. The visitors about how God shows up in our lives and how we begin to discern his will. And then last week we looked at the other and how sometimes we can feel like the other as well as how we welcome the other. So we didn't have Happy Mother's Day, did we? We had Happy Other's Day. Um, Hopefully, we've been thinking, chewing over all these areas, not just for our own individual lives, but also for Junction 10 and for our corporate journey. We're moving on today, and we're going to consider what I've entitled The Choice. We all have to make choices, don't we? every day. Some big, some very small. Choices about what we'll eat, what job we'll do, what we're going to watch on TV, who we'll marry, where we're going to live. Perhaps some of you are thinking that you feel like you have no choice, that you're facing situations where you have little choice. And when I first looked at this and I was thinking about the choice, um, it actually immediately made me think of the naughty step. Is anybody familiar with that parenting technique in the room? Do you remember the naughty step? I confess, once on a foster holiday, we even had the naughty sand. Uh, I didn't put Will on it, don't we? Um, I remember, it's what came to my mind, I remember very clearly going to talk to a very small, often very teary Millie on the naughty step. As an aside, Isabel was often there as well. Um, And I'd get down to eye level 
and explain very clearly to Millie that she had a choice to make. She could choose to admit what she'd done and say sorry, or she could choose to stay very cross and not admit what she'd, where she'd gone wrong and to stay on the naughty step and miss out on whatever it was she was doing. I will leave you to imagine her many and varied responses <laughs> to that choice. Um, so joking aside, the question of choice is really important because we trust and believe in a God who is not a master puppeteer. He gives us free choice as to whether we follow him. And sometimes we have to make that choice again and again and again. Sometimes it's a daily choice. Sometimes I think it's an hourly choice, <laughs> making that choice. So with that in mind, let's just think about the scripture reading that Kev read for us. Okay, I think for lots of you, this is a very familiar story, isn't it? I think you can probably understand why we didn't want to do this one on Mothering Sunday. Um, because in this passage, we see Abraham is faced with an awful choice. God asks him to sacrifice his own son. It can actually be a pretty difficult passage to read because we question, how could our loving Father God possibly ask this of Abraham? Now, in ordinary circumstances, this choice is bad enough, but don't forget, Isaac is no ordinary son. All the other candidates have been rejected. Sarah's age and barrenness have been miraculously overcome. Ishmael has been reluctantly banished. And if Abraham goes through with this, he's going to lose more than a son. He'll have no descendants through whom the promises can be fulfilled. In killing Isaac, Abraham won't just lose a miracle son, but he'll be sacrificing God's promised son, the necessary link to the fulfillment of God's covenant. It almost seems a bit perverse. Should Abraham choose to be faithful to such a God? And I think as we read this passage, we start asking some of the questions that maybe were in Abraham's mind, like, is God really faithful? Does God only build people up to just cut them down? I wonder, has God ever asked you to do something that requires you to give up everything else good in your life to accept that? I mean, surely God wouldn't do that. And it just feels like all these questions start bubbling up as we read Genesis 22. It's really important to understand that right from the start, as the reader, we know this is a test. Because right in verse 1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. But Abraham doesn't know this is a test. <clears throat> he fully believes that God is asking him to do this. And the person really in the dark here is Isaac. He doesn't know anything about the potential fate that awaits him. He's completely in the dark. In verse 2, it says, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. 
Go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. This brief, bold instruction, it resonated with me because I'd done Genesis 12. It's similar language coming back at me. Go to the place I'll show you, just like in Genesis 12. And Abraham makes the choice to obey God. We are not told he complains. We are not told he gets down on his knees and intercedes for his son or that he tries to set up a bargain with God. He just goes. Another pretty amazing example of obedience. We're told that they walk for three days. And as I thought about this and I tried to picture it, I began to see that each step Abraham made was a choice. A choice to carry on. A choice to sacrifice his precious son. Abraham repeatedly, step after step, chooses to obey God. At any moment, he could have chosen to stop, to turn back, save his son, And I'm sure these thoughts must have passed through his mind. But I can only conclude that such was his faith and trust in God that he was able to put one foot in front of another. I wonder if anybody can relate to that. Perhaps not with quite such horrific consequence, but more the having to choose to put one foot in front of the other, choosing faith with every step, choosing to believe I am not alone, choosing to face whatever difficult situation, diagnosis, problem that might lie ahead of us. I certainly know there have been times in my life um, where I had to give myself a little talking to. Do you ever do that? Come on, sort it out. What's God said? Stop doing this. Reminding myself, this is what he's said. And I've had to choose. Got to keep going. Keep following the path. One foot in front of the other. Hold on tight to the only one who is strong enough to get me through. I'm guessing we can all relate to that. Yeah, we've all been there. And as I was writing this and I was thinking about this, I was thinking about our corporate journey. And it took me right back to think about the very difficult choice our leaders had to make about that building at 323. They had to make such a brave choice, which, being really honest, looked to the outside world like total madness. Demolish a building? That was a step that took courage and faith. And I wasn't in the room, and I don't know all that God said, but I do know he spoke. And I do know what it has cost for our leaders to choose to be obedient and to trust God. And I don't know about you, but I'm proud of that. I am proud that I belong to a community that is prepared to step out in faith on what God has said, like Abraham, taking one faithful step at a time. 
And I look forward to the blessing that he's going to bring. And those future generations who are going to tell their children about what their great-grandparents did. Do you remember old Uncle Kevin? (laughs) Because they're going to tell that story, and that's something to be proud of. And as I said in my last preach, our leaders need your prayers because they are walking that walk on your behalf every day, every step, making the choice to keep trusting. As Abraham continues to choose to move forward, for me, it becomes even more moving as a passage of Scripture. In verse 7, when Isaac asks, where is the lamb to sacrifice as a burnt offering? We see Abraham having to give his son an answer. And in verse 8, when he says, God himself will provide. Again, Abraham chooses to trust, to keep walking, and he chooses to speak out his trust. There are times in our lives where we have to choose to speak it out and declare our trust in God. We have to speak to our own souls, don't we? Remember, Abraham doesn't know this is a test. He is choosing to trust. At any point, he can choose to stop. But I think every step is taken deliberately and consciously. And finally, at the last moment, can you picture it? Isaac is bound and Abraham has got a knife in his hand. Comes the voice from heaven from the angel of the Lord, and wow, we just think, thank goodness, God is intervening because God does not want Isaac's death. He never wanted Isaac's death. God wants to know of Abraham's love and devotion to him. And God is prepared <clears throat> excuse me, to take him to the very brink of horror to find out. And you know, I believe that same God, our loving Heavenly Father, wants to know of our loving devotion to him today. Now we know Abraham lived under the old covenant, but that because of the work on the cross, we live under a new covenant. And we no longer have to turn up here with our animals to sacrifice as a burnt offering because Jesus paid the price for each one of us. But that doesn't mean that we still don't need to make a choice. It does not mean that God does not long for our complete and utter devotion to him. And as we consider this powerful narrative this morning, the fact that we are right in the heart of Lent, we're rapidly heading towards Holy Week, let's just, for a few moments, let's just widen the lens and consider this narrative against the gospel accounts of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because I think there are parallels that we can draw. 
In Abraham's story, we see the extraordinary command to sacrifice Isaac, the promised one. And in the gospel narratives, we see the brutal sacrifice of the long-awaited-for Messiah. Both of these stories culminate in the death or near-death of a son. Both stories are set in Jerusalem. In two chronicles, we're told that Mount Moriah is Jerusalem. Both of these stories involve a three-day journey. And both of these stories, the victims, both carry the wood on which they are to be killed. In both of these stories, we see the intimate involvement of God. And both, for both of these stories, the future of all peoples is at stake. We read Abraham's story, and we're, which is so familiar, and we're kind of horrified, aren't we, that God would ask a parent to kill his own flesh and blood And yet when we widen the lens, we're reminded that God himself had to offer his own son for us. At the end of Genesis 22, in verse 19, we're told that Abraham returns to Beersheba, where he stays. And this is the place where previously he banished Ishmael and Hagar. And I don't know about you, but... Like, I'm expecting a real celebration at the end of this story. He's alive. He hasn't had to kill him. It's great. But actually, when I read it, I can't help feeling there's actually a real sense of sadness here. That he's going to a place where he can mourn the loss of Ishmael. And so we're expecting joy and relief. But instead, we actually get a sense of sadness And that sadness reminded me of the same sadness found in John's account of the resurrection. In John 20, verses 5 to 10, it tells us of the disciples' dismay when they find the body missing. Mary is weeping. Now, they should be celebrating the resurrection, but they're still mourning because they don't understand. So as we continue on this Abrahamic journey, what are we to make of this difficult story? What does it tell us about God and what he might want from us? At the start of the series, I asked you if you would set out on a journey over Lent. And I asked you what God is calling you into personally And what God is calling us into corporately. We've got one more week in our series. And I think now would be a really good time to look back over where you've traveled. And consider what have you learned? And how has God spoken or is speaking to you? Where do you find yourself this morning? Where is your journey taking you? Where is this journey taking us? Like Abraham, what deaths do you see ahead of you? Because sadly, we have to travel through death before we can experience a new life. 
Genesis 22 lets us know we are not alone and I think it lights a path for us towards Easter Day. So, are you at a point where you need to make a choice? And if the choice is difficult, can you see a way through it? Maybe your choice this morning is to step onto the path and choose Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. And if you've never made that decision before, maybe now is the moment where you need to choose him. And if you do make that decision this morning, then please don't go without telling someone and praying with someone. Our prayer ministry team are going to be here later, and any of our leaders will be more than happy to sit and pray with you. Now, maybe this morning you made that choice a long time ago, but you've got distracted. And other things have taken his place. And this morning, you need to choose to recommit yourself to him. Maybe this morning you know you've been journeying for a while, but you've made some mistakes and you've got some stuff wrong. And this morning, you need to choose to say sorry. As I said earlier, I really believe 100% that God wants all of our loving devotion, all of it. And so maybe this morning, that choice for you is to face the death of other things in order to give him all of your loving devotion. Maybe this morning, your choice might need to be to keep putting one foot in front of the other and to just keep going choosing I'm going to trust him I don't understand this Lord but I am going to trust you maybe you feel like you haven't got the strength or the energy to carry on but you are going to choose you're going to keep walking you are going to choose to trust how about us as a church community what choices do we need to make Do we need to decide we're going to get on board with this? We're going to stop sitting on the outskirts and we're actually going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to get stuck in to this community. Maybe a really good start for some people would be, I'm going to pray for our leaders every day. That's my choice. Now we know, don't we, that the talk is coming. But are we brave enough to ask God as to how he might want us to step up and be involved. Is that our choice? And what about here? What about Grace Academy Darleston? We're not here by accident. Would God want us as individuals to do something here? How might we make a personal commitment to this community? Do you know what? I know our leaders would love to hear what you feel God's saying. So maybe your choice is this morning to step up, be brave, be part of this community and share what God is saying to you.